And in that, let's turn our attention now. We are at the end, the tail end of a sermon series on rhythms for life, talking about spiritual rhythms and how as a church we want to kind of shape our life around eight spiritual rhythms. And we believe that if we can do this, it will help us, as we'll read here in a little bit, on a mission to love, to love God, to love each other, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And last week we talked about giving, right? Giving is kind of uh, the last spiritual rhythm we're going to talk about, last of our outward devotions. As we say around here, they are being aware of and attentive to others within the church and the world. And last week we talked about giving, about financially, how God has asked us to give, but more than just commanded us to give, about how when we give it forms us, and as we give we become a certain type of people, and God does a certain type of thing among us. But this morning, what we want to talk about is giving of our time and our talent. So how do I practice the rhythm of serving, serving other people at my church? And the rhythm of life talks about this. It says, our mission of love, and that's always important, that we are on a mission to to love, is designed to multiply disciples and churches. This multiplication to more peoples and places happens as we give our money in service. So we are committed to give financially and regularly and regularly serve in a number of ways ranging from, and then we have a list of a few ways to serve. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Serving our church. Serving one another. And who do we go to look through? Right? Who do we go to look at and say, okay, who is our model? Why are we doing these spiritual rhythms? Well, we're doing these um, because Jesus has modeled them for us. We here at City Church, and we talked about this way back on Easter, believe that uh, when Jesus was resurrected from the grave, when he came back to life, something really did happen. And it wasn't this kind of just this spiritual kind of hidden thing that happened. No, we, we think God has created a new world that is currently in this world and is growing and expanding and getting bigger. So we look to Jesus as kind of the first fruits. That's how the Bible talks of him as a first fruits or the firstborn. And Jesus is the model for humanity. In fact, that word firstborn, um, the Greek word is prototokos, which sounds really fancy, but it's basically where we get the word prototype. So Jesus is the prototype, the first of this new humanity. So when we talk about spiritual rhythms, when we talk about Jesus, what we are talking about is a new way to live. A new way to live. So we look at Jesus as the new humanity. Not just as okay, this would be a good way to live if we were all kind of super spiritual. No, He is the way to live. He is the model for us. And the more we stick to that model, the more we see our lives and the lives of those around us get better. So what is the main thing Jesus has to say when it comes to serving? If you have your Bibles, flip with me to the book of Matthew chapter 20. Verse 28. This is one of the plainest descriptions of what Jesus says to do. When Jesus talks about 
the kind of person to be, the kind of things we need to engage in. This is a pretty easy and straightforward one. In verse 26, It shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be the first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus shows us that this new humanity, the new humanity that he's creating in the new kingdom, is based around serving. Is based around serving. This is opposite of how the world operates. Now, I don't have time to kind of go through all of it, but if you read the beginning of that little passage that we just read, Jesus compares. It's one of really the few times he really compares. This is what the world is going to be like, but this is what the new humanity, the new world is going to be like. And he contrasts those two and he says, okay, this group of people, they kind of rule with authority and they lord it over people. But what leadership, what loving each other looks like in this new world is serving. So we turn our attention then, okay, how can we serve? How do we follow Jesus in this service? So we turn our attention to Romans chapter 12 that we read this morning as Paul picks up on this theme of serving and how we are to serve one another. Let's look down here at verse 3. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through verses 3 all the way down to verse 6. We're going to spend a little time looking at each passage, looking at a few kind of words and phrases that jump out, asking God to show us Jesus in the midst of these. Verse 3, for by, gra- for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now this phrase right here at the beginning, <clears throat> for the grace, by the grace given to me. Now Paul is going to talk about spiritual gifts. This is what he's talking about, how we can effectively serve one another. And Paul had a spiritual gift, and he's going to talk about that spiritual gift a little later on in the passage. But the grace given to him, the spiritual gift was a grace, right? Grace is not just, okay, I have grace now that I'm saved. It's grace to actually live life, to do what God has called me to do amongst God's people and out in the world. So Paul had a gift. He calls it grace, and his gift was teaching and preaching to the Gentiles. That was the gift God had given him, and he was exercising it here. And we can already start to see a few things. When we use our gifts, the ones that God has given us, it produces fruit. It serves other people. Paul had this gift, and he's using it now to serve this Roman church and talk to them about how to serve one another, how to live as this new humanity. And it starts with some self-awareness. Self-awareness is critical. What's interesting is self-awareness really only comes in two ways. And both of those happen to be rhythms that we practice as a church. One is community, right? When I'm in community, I gain a little self-awareness. And two is reflection. When I meditate, reflect on my life, what's going on, In my week, in my month, in my relationships, I gain some self-awareness. Now, why do we think that? Well, look at verse 3. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So, we realize really quick that when we're called into a church, we're called to serve those around us. And the first step is the way we think. What we think about ourselves and, well, which Paul says is negative, and then the positive, how to think about other people. You see this little phrase right here? Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The Greek here is kind of funny if you, if you know it. It's simply translated. If you just wrote out what it says, it would say hyperthink or superthink. So what Paul's saying is, for those who are born into Christ, part of His church, don't think of yourself all the time and don't think of yourself more highly than you should. So don't think you've got it all figured out. Don't just be concerned with yourself all the time. Now this usually manifests itself in two ways. One is a person that just brags and talks about how great they are all the time. We've all, hopefully none of us are these people, but we've all experienced people like this you know, think they've got it all figured out, they got all the answers, if we would just do everything their way, everything would work out, and that's really easy to spot. But there's another way that people sometimes think more highly of themselves than they ought, and that's the people who just kind of talk about their problems all the time, you know, oh, it's just horrible, everything is so bad, my life is a wreck, I can't catch a break. Every conversation you have with them, you know, just kind of revolves around what's going on in their life. Oh, specifically all the bad things that are going on in their life, right? Oh, I'm just like the worst or all this. And now look, we, we want to listen to one another, right? We want to create a safe space where we can come and really talk about our problems and talk about our issues. But we've all been in a relationship with someone where it seems super one-sided, right? Every time we get together with them, it's just they're woe is me, they need something, they need help. And what, we, what I've come to find and my time of pastoral ministry is it's help on their terms, right? But this is what exactly Paul's saying. Don't think of yourself this way. Don't think you've got it all figured out. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And this is what Paul is driving home to them. So how should we think about ourselves, right? So have some self-awareness. Know yourself. Have a real honest assessment of yourself. Paul writes here in this verse, he uses a phrase, sober judgment. Sober judgment. And that can be, as we discussed a little bit early, self-awareness. I think self-awareness is probably one of the greatest gifts we could give those around us. Our children, ourselves. We all need more self-awareness. Now, maybe that's just me. I know uh, that's not sometimes a very fun topic. But sober judgment. Knowing who we are in Christ. Knowing who we are in our church. Knowing the history. Knowing all the people around us. And having a good understanding of what God has called us to do. What is Paul highlighting here? I think he's highlighting there's something in your fancy preaching books. Uh, they would call a falling condition focus. So as you, um, you go to seminary, they teach you when you preach. To, sometimes you'll come to a passage and it'll have a falling condition focus. Something that the passage is bringing out about the fall. 
We know humanity has fallen, and there's some characteristics. And one of them, as we see here, is this tendency, as Paul is combating, to think more highly about ourselves, to not really have a true understanding of who we are. And that's what Paul's getting at. Understanding. Now, what they'll also teach you is that in those same passages, usually what God does is He'll highlight some fallen condition, but He'll also highlight the grace provided. The grace provided by Christ to go above and beyond what the condition is. So how would we label this fallen condition, thinking more highly than we ought? It's really just being self-centered. It's looking inward, thinking about ourselves, thinking about our problems all the time. So what's the remedy? Look here in verse 3. This is what he says. But to think with sober judgment. How do we do that, Paul? Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. To the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, this translation gets a little is a little difficult. Everyone look down here. You see this word? It says measure. The measure of faith God has assigned. Now, there's been a lot of confusion. Um, there's been a lot of bad teaching on what this measure of faith is. It's not measure like we would measure, like, okay, measure out three-fourths of faith. It's measure as standard, right? Have you ever heard someone say, what's the measure of a man, right? What's the standard for this? What is the measure? He says this, the measure of faith that God has assigned. What is the measure of faith? It is Jesus. Jesus is our standard. Remember, back at the beginning, we talked about Jesus is the prototype. He's the firstborn. He is the standard for new humanity. So the way we think rightly about ourselves is to reflect on Jesus to look on Jesus and let him be the standard for our lives. So if I am super arrogant, if I am super full of myself, if I think I can figure out all the problems, I can look at Jesus and say, okay, yeah, I got a long way to go. I, maybe I don't have it all figured out. If I, maybe that's just someone, you know, my life revolves around me and my problems and everything that's wrong. I also look to Jesus and I see someone who probably has a lot more problems than I did, yet wants to hear my problems and wants to see me grow in my faith. And I see Jesus praying about his problems. I see Jesus talking with other people. I see Jesus taking counsel from God's word and from God himself. So in order to not think, not to be self-centered, we look to Jesus. But also something else, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So I think what Paul's saying here is, okay, we, we look to Christ, but we also have a good understanding of the church. We have a good understanding of what we are a part of. Down there in verse he says this we have many members and the members do not all have the same function go down to verse 5 at the end and individually members one of another this is where we get membership right when we talk about the church we talk about joining the church becoming a member of the church 
Now, we live in just a different culture that when we see the word membership, what do we instantly think of? The country club, we think of whatever that credit card was, membership has its privileges. Um, We think of membership that way, that if I'm a member of something, that means there's certain amenities that are due me, right? I pay my dues, aka my tithes, and if I pay my tithes and I'm a member, then there's certain things that I should get to enjoy. But that's not how this passage is talking about it. It's talking about we are members, like my arm is a member of my body. We are members of one another. So if you are a part of City Church, here's some things you need to realize. One, you're a member of this body. You're a part of this body. And as we're going to learn about here in a few moments, you have a gift that God has given you. You have a special, unique gift that God has given you. And he's given it to you so that we can all take care of each other. So that we can love each other. So that we can all grow, if you skip ahead to the book of Ephesians, grow up in maturity to Christ. That's church growth in the Bible. It's all of us coming alongside one another, belonging to one another, using our gifts to serve one another. Think about what Jesus said. I, the Son of Man, self-awareness, <laughs> He knew who He was, came not to be served, but to serve. We belong to one another. And the only way we're all going to get where we're going is when we all come in and serve one another. Now, that's what it means when you join City Church. I don't know, maybe you thought it was just kind of fire insurance, like, all right, I'll join the church and kind of ride my time, do my singing, and when the end comes, I'm going to go to heaven and we're all going to hang out. That is not (laughs) what this is. (laughs) When you join our little merry band on our way, pilgriming through this world, you're signing on to love one another. You're signing on to take your unique gifts that God has given you and use them for the betterment of those around you and use them to serve one another. Because that's what Jesus said new humanity would do. Now, um, I heard this quote a long time ago and it stuck with me. Um, Jesus said he came that not to be served but to serve. He says, if you want to be great, you need to be a slave. And I heard this old pastor, and he was preaching, and he said this quote, and I don't know, it's just one of those ones that have stuck with me. He was talking about serving one another, being a servant, and he said, do you want to know how far you've grown in being a servant? He said, how do you respond when you're treated like one? How do you respond when someone treats you like a servant? Do you get personally offended? Does your back kind of, you know, bow up? Like, do you know who I am? I got stuff to do. Da, da. How do you respond? Because that's what we are called to be, servants of one another. Now, let's go down to verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, you're not, as we said, you're not here by accident. 
God's called you to this place. You're here for a purpose. You have some sort of spiritual gift. Use it. <laughs> Paul didn't say, it'd be a good idea. Maybe if you got time, he said, use it. Now, this is usually where we would pass out the spiritual gift surveys that you've all taken at every Christian church you've ever been a part of throughout all time and space. You would fill it out. We would take it. We would put it in a filing cabinet. <laughs> and then if something, we needed something, we would go, didn't we do some spiritual surveys at some point? Yeah, let's get those out. Let's see who signed up for something. Uh, okay, hey, Susan, you said in your spiritual gift survey that uh, you felt gifted to do this, so now we need you. That's usually how spiritual gifts uh, work in the church. But I want to try to come at it from a different point of view, all right? Maybe a quick little way that we can all understand, okay, what are my giftings? How has God uniquely caused me to be here in City Church and to love those around me? Now, you can read a list if you want to make a quick note. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians verse, chapters 12 through 14, if you read the rest of this passage, talks about specific spiritual gifts. But how do I know what mine are? Well, here's a little diagram I found a couple years ago that I thought was really, really helpful in doing this. Instead of taking some survey, which let's be honest, we all take the, we, we all fill it out in the way to give us the gift that we really want. At least that's what I did when I first became a Christian. I was like, well, I'm going to preach, so I need to make sure I, let's, let's get some self-awareness. Let's think about it like this. If you are a member of City Church, why don't we, we're going to think about spiritual gifts like this, affinity, ability, and affirmation. And where all those meet are kind of your spiritual gifts. Let's talk about affinity. What do you enjoy doing for others? What is it that you enjoy doing? Now, that doesn't mean it's always easy that every time you do it, it's, you know, you've, it's perfect, rainbows, it's awesome, it's never a struggle. But what do you enjoy doing for other people? There's some sense of affinity, like, okay, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy having people over to my home. I enjoy getting groups together and leading them through something. I enjoy greeting people. I don't know. What, what is it that you find yourself enjoying about God's people? And what do you most like to see come out of God's people? Now, ability. Here's where it gets really hard. And here's where self-awareness can help us. Are you good at this? <laughs> Are you good at your, what you love seeing happen in people? That, that's really hard to sometimes diagnose and just sit down and go, okay, whew, am I good at this? There's some things I know that I'm just not good at. Then that's probably a good indicator that maybe God has not called me to do that. Am I good at it? Here's a way to think about this. When's the last time someone came and asked you to exercise a specific spiritual gift? So you might say, I have the gift of teaching. Okay, well, when's the last time someone came to you and said, hey, help me understand this. Hey, um, I saw you taught this. Seems really interesting. Can you help me? Can you teach? That's, that's a good way to begin thinking about it. Is there an ability? Is it producing fruit? Is your gift producing fruit? And then finally, affirmation. Has the church directly or indirectly told you to do this? <laughs> Think about it. That is a real good indicator of your spiritual gifting. Now, 
That doesn't mean we just sit back and go, well, you know, I'll just wait till someone comes down from on high and tells me to do something. No, we get out. We, we do it. We work at it. We practice it. And if it starts to bear fruit and other people are coming along and seeing it and they're plucking off of that gift and they're eating and they're living and they're thriving, then maybe that's something God has called me to do. That can be really hard, but also really, really helpful for people. That can be really hard maybe to hear, maybe our whole lives we thought, well, God's called me to do this. I know I need to do this. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else. So I would encourage you this week maybe to read these passages, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, Corinthians 12 through 14. Look at those gifts and begin to ask yourself, okay, where has there been some fruit in this? Where do I see maybe the Lord drawing me in? Maybe I see people kind of rallying around, right? Now, they don't have to be preaching. It's not just preaching and teaching. It could be just simply, not simply, (laughs) hospitality. Do people enjoy hanging out with you? (laughs) Do they want to have you over to the... Have you over to the house? Do you enjoy inviting people over? Here's a good test for hospitality. When you see new people come in, are you like, oh man, I really want to make that person feel welcome. I want to go talk to them. I want to get to know them. I want to introduce myself to them. This is how this will usually flesh out at City Church going forward. I hope this doesn't sound too harsh, but here's what I found to be a good way to do this. If you come into my office and say, hey, Jeremy, I feel called to do this. I feel like God's called and equipped me to do this. This is what I'm probably going to say to you. Okay, why don't you find a group of people? Why don't you do that with them? And then let's come back and talk about it in like six weeks. Let's just see. Let's use that gift. Let's practice it. Hey, I'd rather put out fires than start fires. So look, if you feel called to do something, let's talk about it. Let's work on it. Let's see what the Lord might do with it. But let's have a real honest discussion after that and say, okay, is the Lord calling you to this? Has God gifted you to do this? So how do we practice this? Each of our rule of lives, we end with a practical suggestion. This week's is the same as last week. Serve and financially give to your local church every week. And here's the starting point. So how do I even start doing this? Prayerfully determine the specific way you want to support the church's ministry every Sunday. Okay, so just think about Sunday. Whether a formal role or informally by bringing friends or greeting guests before or after service, follow through according to the grace of God.